Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, how you doing? Little internet goblins. Uh, made us a little bit late this morning. Hope you're, hope you're there. I'm sort of here. And uh, in about a half hour, we'll be uh, also uh, joined by the founder of one of Pittsburgh's most uh, innovated and beloved uh, theaters, uh, Quantum Theater, uh, Carla Booz, the founder. So, <sighs> I've got some good news. <laughs> it might be transitory, but nevertheless, let's start with some good news. Um, a judge, a federal judge in uh, Oregon, uh, late yesterday, uh, has, in a rather extraordinary uh, move, has uh, temporarily blocked the Trump administration and it's uh, from uh, imposing the Title X gag rule, which would literally take uh, uh, access to medical care uh, from uh, tens of thousands of American women, poor women, generally. Um, this was a suit brought by uh, Planned Parenthood and uh, the American Medical Association and uh, others, a number of uh, states, uh, attorneys general, also uh, jumped in. And uh, the judge issued a temporary uh, preliminary injunction that blocks the gag rule. Um, the the scope of this is not known yet. There's uh, Everybody's waiting for a written order in a few days. This was something he delivered from the bench. And um, there is no doubt that, of course, the Trump administration will immediately appeal this, looking for um, another federal uh, court uh, more attuned uh, to their agenda. And since they've been packing those courts um, practically every day of the week, uh, the odds of them finding a court that would reverse this decision are certainly better than they ever have been, which is unfortunate. Which brings us to a piece of bad news. Everybody who was at the uh, oral arguments yesterday at the Supreme Court uh, on the case involving whether or not the census this year can have a question asking people if they are citizens of the country. That is not what the census is about. The census is about finding out how many people are living <laughs> here um, in any given um, location uh, so that uh, representation in uh, legislative bodies and uh, federal monies will be properly um, apportioned. Uh, unfortunately, everybody who listened to the oral argument saw that it was just a classic, exactly what we're going to be seeing a lot of. Looked 5-4 with all of the Republican uh, justices seemingly uh, having not any difficulty whatsoever with the uh, question. And all four uh, liberals on the court uh, clearly having a great deal of uh, difficulty. So. If the oral arguments are any indication, that's that's a done deal. The census will have that question. 
on it, which um, by one even governmental uh, estimate, that with that question, there might well be about six and a half to seven million people in this country who will not be counted, which is exactly what the purpose of the question is. Uh, asking the question is, uh, uh, has the chilling effect of people simply not responding because they're fearful. People who are here even legally fearful. And those, of course, here without proper papers, definitely. Um, this is how Republicans, because they don't have the, the minds and hearts of the majority of the people of the country, they still are able to win elections by suppressing uh, the Democrat, the Democrats' vote, uh, depressing uh, immigrants' votes, depressing urban, uh, marginalized populations' votes. This is how you keep uh, the House of Representatives uh, and just overwhelmingly uh, misrepresentative. Uh, it gives rural areas more power than they should have and urban areas less. Um, some states, by virtue of this question being there, could end up losing a congressional seat or two by the undercount. Uh, those, the states most vulnerable to that are um, Texas and Arizona, New York, Florida, uh, Illinois, California. Uh, it's, there are a lot of uh, dire uh, articles uh, to be read out there that uh, talk about the implication of this question's insertion. Um, into the census, and and its cynical intent, clear clear cynical intent, and clear intent to uh, suppress the vote, something that the um, liberal uh, justices certainly thought was clear as day, but which uh, all those men representing Republican interests, rather than what they should be representing. They didn't see a problem. Okay, so that's, I mean, getting ahead of myself a little bit there, but uh, I suspect that that is, that is the case. So Joe Biden's coming here Monday the Teamster Hall in Lawrenceville. Um, I don't know. We're going to get uh, hammered uh, this year because uh, Pennsylvania is a must-win state for the Democrats, and uh, I suppose we're not alone. A lot of states are going to find uh, ourselves considered... Uh, bellwether must-haves, and uh, we're, we'll get the lion's share of all the ugliness that uh, American politicking can uh, can produce. 
Um, uh, what was it, last week or the week before, I was complaining about the people in Harrisburg taking time to uh, to uh, honor uh, an, an amphibian uh, by uh, making that amphibian the, uh, the official amphibian <laughs> of the state. Um, by the way, uh, 20 other states do have... Um, state amphibians but I mean for some reason this got on to the front page of the national section of the Washington Post today it's a big beautiful picture of the repulsive uh, eastern hellbender that is our uh, amphibian and they um, they speak of it thusly for an animal covered in mucus and nicknamed the snot otter, the eastern hellbender, salamander, is awfully picky about where it will live. And actually I learned sort of more from this than I had about why it got the designation. Um, the eastern hellbender has been disappearing by virtue of the fact that it does not live in polluted waters. It dies in polluted waters. And polluted waters is what we've been all about. But the fact that the hellbender is making a little bit of a comeback is an indicator that Pennsylvania is starting to uh, pay attention, perhaps, to cleaning up its uh, water. And uh, that is one of the reasons that the uh, snot otter got to be so honored. Um, it, was, uh, it was almost placed on the endangered species uh, list. And uh, the concern, this, this blew me away, a 2003 study um, of the population of, uh, of eastern uh, hellbenders was considered so <laughs> potentially, uh, I guess, dangerous to have out there the study about the snot otter was redacted even more than the Mueller report. What was redacted from this study of the population of eastern hellbenders was the location of where there is a, all locations of where there is any resurgence of uh, the hellbender. Now why the hell would there be redactions about where the hellbenders were? Well, it turns out, it's hard to believe, but there is a demand for these two-foot, ugly-as-hell beings in the um, illegal pet market, you know, the kind of jerks who like to have uh, keep animals uh, that they shouldn't have. And there was such concern that if it was public knowledge where you could find a hellbender that the few that are there would be uh, would be gone. Uh, around here they're called the Allegheny Alligators and other places in uh, the state they're called lasagna lizards or devil dogs. <laughs> Jeez. Um, they are ugly as holy heck but uh, you know 
They might be covered in mucus, ugly as heck, but they do not like polluted waters. They like clean water. So that's in the Washington Post today for everybody's um, amusement. Uh, we're in for um, such a long haul um, in regard to the the SOB in the in the White House. Um, it's it's clear that they will uh, the White House is refusing to cooperate in any way with any of the investigations. Uh, going on, that would be the same case, I would imagine, uh, if there were an impeachment. They have uh, told uh, the former White House counsel, Donald McGahn, that he is not allowed to uh, testify before the Congress. Um, he has been subpoenaed. Apparently, he's not going to honor that subpoena. The same is the case for the... Uh, the former head of personnel security at the White House, who, of course, signed off on all of these totally um, uh, uh, what's the damn word? Who signed off on Jared Kushner's uh, security clearance when, of course, he shouldn't have had one, and the same for Ivanka and all the others. He um, was ordered by the White House also to defy a subpoena. Um, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin uh, yesterday informed uh, the Congress that he would not be turning over uh, the President's tax returns to the, uh, I believe, Oversight Committee, I think is on that, and, and uh, even though the law clearly states that they have the right to request them and that the head of the IRS shall turn them over. So he's also sued. Um, Trump uh, has sued the, uh, I guess, Elijah Cummings, um, who's now contemplating uh, holding certain people in contempt. I mean, it is just, this is going to be... Well, I guess it's a great day for lawyers, huh? Because it'll be, everything will, you won't be able to take one foot without having 20,000 lawyers on both sides uh, creating such uh, confusion and delay. Won't be ugly. We've got a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hello, caller? Not sure what's happening. Oh, God. Why don't I have... Um, you know, I was thinking, because I, I woke up in, an, in, in at an inordinate... Jesus! I woke up at an inordinately early hour. Why was that hard to say? There were a lot of words starting with vowels <laughs> requiring my mouth to move into various configurations and I couldn't couldn't quite summon it I, but anyway I woke up really 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 early and sort of in a you know total panic I mean with the first 
bit of consciousness, the fact that uh, all there was was just anxiety. And there was anxiety about stuff that I could not do anything about, anxiety about stuff in the future, anxiety about something that either, and I, you know, any ability, I had no ability to, to stop this crazed anxiety. So I've, I've just been like sort of all, um, all day, which has already gone on way too long for me. Anyway, I don't know what happened to the caller. We got a problem. What? You lost Skype. Oh, well, that's what happened to the caller. Yeah, damn. We got real uh, problems here, and clearly it has to do with our Internet, right? The lousy Internet that we have here. The little stressors that, that take so much of our energy and where did I read recently how we are so stressed out um, probably some of the most stressed out people living in an industrial you know supposedly we got all this stuff around us we're living large stressed out beyond belief, burned out, stressed out. And I feel I feel for one and all. I do. And I share your pain. Even the privileged in this country are privileged to be stressed out and unhappy. <laughs> Man. So um, I read for the first time something that I'd sort of been seeing in my peripheral vision, this story about this uh, highly decorated Navy SEAL who is still like considered uh, the greatest ever. He's now sitting uh, in jail, I believe, right? Um, although there are efforts by Republicans and others to get him out. Um, his name is Edward Gallagher, and this is a Navy SEAL who, as I said, is as decorated as they come, but who was turned in, essentially, by seven other SEALs who were serving under his command in um, Afghanistan, or in Iraq, I believe. For some reason, I'm not sure which theater um, they they were in at the time but oh my god what they allege this guy did and you know they have eyewitness accounts personal accounts they tried in every way they were so appalled um, to get the Navy to do something about him and Every effort these very, very courageous whistleblowers in the SEALs uh, made was uh, rebuffed at every point. They finally got to the um, the troop commander uh, last year. Um, and the troop, they laid it all out for the 
troop commander. Gave him all the bloody details of how this guy would just, I guess for fun, sit in a sniper's nest and uh, pick off little girls walking with their friends, old men walking home, how he happily stabbed a teenager to death. I mean, just what a bloodthirsty killer this guy was. Ignoring all of the rules of uh, honorable warfare. And the, these men were so astonished. So they finally get themselves to the top dog. And the top dog says to him, essentially, shut up. You want to say this again to anyone else? Your careers are over. So they walked into a total stonewall. What's amazing is these seven Navy SEALs would not give up, even with that threat. And they finally got to higher-ups outside the direct chain of command. And the minute they finally got outside the direct chain of command, this killer, hero to some, Edward Gallagher, was arrested. That happened in September. Uh, arrested on more than a dozen charges, including murder, premeditated murder and all kinds of attempted murders. I mean, he should be, be going away forever. Fox News apparently has him as uh, their latest uh, cause. Fox News has his supporters on left and right. He's still a hero in their eyes. There are people, there's fundraising for him. Um, there are 40 Republican members of Congress who have signed a, uh, a letter calling for the Navy to free this uh, wonderful representative of our country. Um, there's a, a just appalling uh, account of, of what is alleged here by other seals um, and and what's even more concerning is how clearly the higher ups were protecting him um, and threatening those who were trying to uh, get him to justice. So I, th that's something I, again, there's so much stuff that we just don't get to anymore because we're so constantly overwhelmed by you know what and who. Um, it's just going to be a slog.
And I am somewhat um, buoyed by my reading of, of Twitter. By the way, I, the, yeah, we can't take calls, right? Our Skype is out, gone. I don't know. Um, I can always take emails, though, if you'd like to email me. Um, I forgot what I was even talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so. My head is just. I am so frigging exhausted. Forgive me. Um, I forgot what I was talking about. I don't suppose Carla's here yet. We could just go to her, but I don't think she's here. All right. I should have stayed in bed. I should have just gone back to sleep. Dang it. So what the hell was I talking about? Oh, how I was um, somewhat uh, heartened by increasingly what I'm seeing on Twitter. But see, Twitter is not a... Twitter it just reflects back to you what you want to see because you follow people that, you know... It, it So I, I doubt that it's uh, a, a true or accurate uh, portrayal, but I hadn't seen this kind of stuff before. First of all, there was the news story yesterday of a, um, I guess, the longest-serving Republican in the Iowa legislature who uh, held a news conference and declared himself uh, a Democrat because he said, I can't. I don't even recognize this party and I don't the Republican Party. I don't want to be associated with it uh, anymore. And uh, you know, you see a little a few of these things uh, here and there if you're if you're desperately looking for them. Um, today alone, I saw two accounts or people posted that um, uh, longtime friends who voted for Trump. There was even one guy who had voted for Trump saying he needs to be impeached and those of us who voted for him need to own what we did and the mistake we made and we need to now get on, on board and get this guy out. I'm seeing more and more of that or people saying, my my Republican grandmother is now just reading every book she can about Trump's perfidy and sharing all this with all her Republican friends. There was one about a woman who was, in fact, the wife of a former Republican congressman who also is... But, you know, too few... And too far between, I, I, I suspect. So. Something I found uh, heartening, again, I'm finding heartening things. <laughs> Looking desperately for them. Was the arrest yesterday of the former CEO, you don't see a lot of CEOs in handcuffs, uh-uh, well, I saw one yesterday, 
a CEO in handcuffs arrested uh, by uh, federal prosecutors and charged with felony drug trafficking. Now, usually when they get drug traffickers, they go after the poor guy standing on the corner, right? And that's absurd because any one of those that gets picked up will immediately be replaced by somebody else. But the guys at the top, they don't do that a lot. Like, you know, they got El Chapo, a cartel leader. doesn't really stop things. But when you get a top guy, and this guy was the CEO of something called Rochester Drug Cooperative. And that's the middleman. That is the guy, the kind of business that operates in between the pharmaceutical companies and pharmacies, right? And so these guys were seeing, they were getting requests from pharmacies for huge amounts of oxycodone and fentanyl, and they were sending them right right on, knowing full well there's no way, knowing that they were feeding, obviously, an underground uh, operation, an illegal operation, and that they were essentially drug dealers. So they got 75-year-old Lawrence Dowd III. Now, whether they can convict him, I don't know. He pled not guilty the other day, but that's a drug company. I get, you know, if you're a CEO of a drug company right now, that has to chill you to the bone. Here comes Carla. Carla! Come in here. Hi, it's so good to see you. You too. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Come on in. I here. This We're, is what we do. And, huh? and watch it because that seat's gonna dump you. That's there easy. You go. It did dump me too. Sure there we go. I understand. Yep, there it is. So Carla, we're operating at a little bit of a disadvantage. I can't take calls today for some reason, so it'll just be me and you. Okay. That's okay. Carla Booz, I feel like you don't need a introduction. That you're sort of one of those iconic. That's very figures. bad to hear. <laughs> Why? Because it means you're you're oh, old. Yeah. It yeah. means I'm of a certain age. Well, yes. but I'm sorry, you've just got a body of work and presence in in town. That's well, you're that's kind, huge. You're kind to note that. Thank uh, you. Okay, you founded Quantum Theater how long ago? Uh, Twenty-eight years ago. Okay, and wow. it's still going strong. It is. I hand it to Pittsburgh for wanting something so adventurous for that long. It's such an extraordinary accomplishment. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I mean, it is. How many... Were you an actor at the... who decided, you know, I'm... I was. I was an actor who'd had some... Um, not very long, but a, a period of interesting in, uh, experiences in L.A. that were very international and um, mixed different art forms. They were experimental, and I thought way back 28 years ago that that would maybe be unusual for Pittsburgh and that Pittsburgh might be friendly to enabling some 
idea that was different, and that's exactly what happened. So again, I hand it to Pittsburgh. Wow, because Pittsburgh generally is considered, and certainly was 28 years ago, a rather provincial You're right, but place. with within the region, there are wonderful people open to different ideas and ready to enable them, and you can reach those people. You can actually be, become you know, real with those people, Uh which is what I love about about Pittsburgh. And I think that that spirit has grown over time. And the the city, 28 years later, does seem like there's an awful lot of interesting stuff going on. It sure does. So you you were one of the you were one of the early people who maybe created that kind of, you know, you. You're very kind. You you sort of fertilize the ground a little bit. I don't, I don't know. I'm just talking <laughs> off the top of my head here. So Carla is still actively in every way involved, directing, acting. Sometimes. I, yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing. And the, the newest production, which is still um, in rehearsals. Right. May 10th. It starts up May 10th. Is probably a play you've heard of. King Lear. <laughs> so Glenda Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah. We're did you? Did you? Have, <laughs> you know, one of the people uh, who listens to the show not only already saw this, but you know, exchanged words with her at the stage door. How cool! How cool <laughs> is that? So um, I love that we're doing our King Lear in a moment when the consciousness is raised about it because of Glenda Jackson. That's a sign of my age. You know, there there have been other days like we did Richard II when Ray Fiennes had a very impressive <laughs> Richard II that I hated that. But these days, I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's sort of, yeah, Lear is in the news. Yes, and she was more. a magnificent Lear, by the way. Did You did see her? Uh, of course. You saw this production? Yes. Jeez. <laughs> How could I not? The review I read said that she was the, they didn't like the other. I know. I'm a fan of Sam Gold, the director, too. And there, it was everything and the kitchen sink was in there. And when you have Glenda Jackson, why? And so I understand the criticism. But I, I loved every minute of, of it because I loved her. And I loved many other things about it. But yeah. I'm, I love ours more. Now, quantum theater is renowned uh, for staging its productions in unusual places. As as somebody who has uh, been to many of your uh, shows, I have found myself in parts of Pittsburgh that I've never been, in, which is something wonderful. And that's wonder- not saying something, because if, if you have well, never no, been, you know. Well, no, but it's just wonderful. I mean, it's wonderful. You get, you find yourself in buildings, maybe you've seen from the outside in mm-hmm. strange spaces. How do you decide what, I mean, if you, if you well, can be anywhere. <laughs> I don't have the keys to the city or anything, but I, I do love the fact that this region is so multi-layered. And you're right, you know, we, we deep Pittsburghers, you don't know what's behind a door you walk by every day, no. necessarily. Oh. And because we're a city where you can find out who who controls that door, you can get into a position to ask. And then I find people just more open to 
the idea of something, and you know, we're asking, can we have your place for two plus months time? You know, wow. give us the key and don't bother us. You know, that's our t- our, t- our typical. <laughs> we say it very nicely, but that's what we're asking. So it is remarkable that uh, so many folks have enabled us. This is a special case. This. This is yeah. now. Where would you put King Lear? <laughs> right. And wow. Yeah. Um, so a couple years ago, there was some some uh, there was a lot of uh, thinking about the steel industry heritage because of the uh, anniversary of the Battle of Homestead. Yeah. And it was in that context that I was uh, relating to those beautiful people, both from the Battle of Homestead Foundation and Rivers of Steel. Um, I go back with them a long way. I once did a show in the pump house, the beautiful pump house before the waterfront development yes, was built. And, yes. you know, oh. I, I love their mission to preserve this heritage, this amazing, incredibly important thing. Labor history began in Pittsburgh, you know, and the young folk don't realize what a, an amazing thing that is. So it was, I had already, dis- I had already met the edit of King Lear that I saw in Bricolage's space, which we'll talk about in a minute. Another what? great theater company yeah, right around yeah. the corner here. And it yeah. was, you know, I'd already known I was doing King Lear, and somebody from the all those wonderful steel folk said, you should do something at Carrie Furnace. And Lear and Carrie Furnace seemed definitely like a match made in heaven. Carrie Furnace, describe this space yeah. for people who've never, it's in rank? No. It's Swiss officially in Swissvale. Swissvale. It's in Swissvale. I mean, it's it's hard to, to, to know that without um, knowing that it's in Swissvale because it's right at the foot of the Rankin Bridge. Okay. That's you know, it's a stone's throw from Braddock. It's yes. connected to all those communities. It's where course. all those steel yeah. mills, right. many of them were. Okay. And it, it, w- it was the blast furnace. Um, so it was connected to the Homestead Works. Uh, it was connected to, you know, they were all connected. But it's the place where the molten steel was formed. And you need Ron Barriff to tell you more about the actual process. It, it, it's an in the, 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 the furnace itself is very present and evident. So it still stands. This it stands. It stands because of Rivers of Steel conserving this amazing site where a key part of the entire process of steelmaking happened. And you should have Ron on to tell, he'll tell you all the details of what it's part of the industry exactly was. But boy, you know, the site is acres huge. So how, well then how do you, first of all, is it the, is it indoors? I mean, are you, parts of the site are indoors and if you, if you take a tour, which you can do before our show every night, you will see some amazing indoor parts. Um, we have chosen to stage our King Lear in two parts of the site, both of which are not under roof. Okay, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this is why it's always a, you know... An adventure. I'm going to ask. So, what if it rains? If it rains. It rains. If it rains, I mean, uh, if it rains a little, if it sprinkles and then passes, I don't think 
people will mind. Think of what you endure at a baseball game. But if it really rains, we will cancel and okay. reschedule the people. Okay. It's it's um, many performances. and Yes, it's a long run. So yeah. it starts May 10th and goes till June, June 2nd. 2nd. Yeah. Right. Pick a, pick a lovely day, folks. <laughs> well, May and June, you got a pretty good shot. You do, you do. Um, so the first... First of all, when I, I was looking at your press release and it said, um, you know, King Lear by William Shakespeare, edited by, and I thought, yes. who has the gall? Oh, everybody. Everybody, everybody. does. <laughs> this is what happens, right. Everybody. It, everybody does. But these so, gentlemen were, were, were very, um, oh, very confidently wonderful in their edit. When they edit, do they take whole things? They don't change the bard's no, words. They, they don't do change the bard's word, unless there's a word that is completely obscure and un, uh, understandable to us, and then they might, yeah. uh, noting the iambic pentameter, substitute a word that works, right? But very few of those. Okay. It's just an edit. It's... It it cuts out a lot. The Glenda Jackson King Lear was three hours forty five minutes. Oh dear. Ours is two and a half, including the intermission. So it's a tight Lear, tight Lear, two and a half. You know, American audiences have trouble sitting for. Yeah, they do. They do. I know. Three hours. So the three forty five. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. With one intermission. Yeah. Now during the intermission, of your Lear. People are going to, what, walk over to Correct. a whole different It'll still locale. be daylight because our show starts at 7.30. Mm -hmm. And in the twilight, I think it's going to be a magical part of our production, um, a journey that's sort of, in a way, part of the show. Um, we'll take them to another site. And it really marks a big change in the play. Yeah. If you know the play, you know, Lear goes out onto the heath and Lear... Um, is stripped of many of the things he used to think, you know, that whole hubris thing. It's In a way, it's why the Cary Furnace is such a beautiful site for it, because it's about um, an examination of what is underneath all those trappings and all those things you used to think as you age. And the second half of the play is in a, a beautiful, intimate place for the very intimate end. The first half so is much more about the court and the majesty and, and the, the, the size and scale of the furnace is very evident. In the second half, we're more in dealing with nature because there is nature Where, all around. Oh, this, so this there's, it's a more natural yeah. setting. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's still at the carry Absolutely. furnace. That's a cool thing about the furnace that people don't know, that it's, even though it's so close to those communities and was the beating heart of those communities, at this point, it feels like you're kind of on the moon or in the middle of nature, weirdly. Wow. <laughs> it's such a cool place to visit. What does it do for the actors to be in this kind of an environment as opposed to a... Mm -hmm. A stage. Does That's it, funny. Does it, does it, I, I'll, re I'll recall something I said when asked that question in 1996 when we did uh, Antony and Cleopatra in what would become the brew house's performance space on the south side. It was the Duquesne Brewery garage. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, somebody asked me that and I said, there's a nobility to standing 
and saying these ancient words that are beyond compare in their ability to touch us in this kind of crazy environment that is so raw and itself sort of so full of um, ch the challenge that we have in our lives and in this region particularly, um, there's a nobility to it that you feel in your bones as an actor. I played Cleopatra in that production. <laughs> oh, wow. I can't wait to put um, Jeffrey Carpenter in this circumstance. You know, Jeffrey Carpenter being the actor playing King Lear, yeah. and also the he's bricolage. He and it, his so wonderful wife, wife Tammy, Tammy Dixon, Dixon, are bricolage co-artistic directors. And uh, is, yeah. it, is that unusual? It's not unusual in Pittsburgh for theaters, different I mean, this quantum theater, bricolage, those are two separate theaters. You would think, well, aren't they competitors then? After all, this is America and we compete. <laughs> we we are very collegial and yeah. I, I feel we all love each other. I had a drink last night with Mariah C. Kaminsky <laughs> and the director of her beautiful show, Indecent, that's opening this week. I, I think we all really actually uh, love and support each other. Without a doubt. I want to talk about permanence and impermanence um, because things like the Carrie Furness standing there sh is shows imper even something that massive that huh. huge yeah. that where so much came out of there that literally built this country that, right. that and now get your mind around this now the, the beautiful people Ron Bariff and the beautiful Rivers of Steel people you know they won't let us touch much of it, really. We are so it's we, like a museum. You it don't, is. You don't they are touch. conserving it because you're right. It is impermanent. Interesting. It's like in its day, no one could have imagined that it would be. Can you imagine? It's like a ruin. Yeah, it's not quite a ruin. Not quite they're, a ruin. They're going to prevent it. <laughs> right, but yes. it has that feeling of something that was beyond belief in its grandeur and that nature could just pull it right down yes you're very present to that that idea but the fact that the words that will be spoken in that mm -hmm. physical mm -hmm. place mm -hmm. have stayed alive for what now five when did he when did he write that is it 400 400 some years or it's probably right. 500 because time flies yeah right <laughs> yeah i mean half a millennium and it speaks yeah to, uh, i, got I to, mean is that mind-blowing it that is mind-blowing but it, it for those of us who love shakespeare um we are not surprised you know we think it was a one of those flukes in the story of humanity that somebody could could do yeah. could have the output he did my yeah. god right my god so many lines are so famous from king lear you know people even if you've never seen a lear or not seen much shakespeare okay give us some of the 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 how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child <laughs> Here's the line I f think is the line for 2019. Mm. Um, Tis the time's plague when madmen lead the blind. <laughs> Can someone embroider that for you? you know, <laughs> embroider that for me. I'd like it instead of home sweet home. Right. Right. You know, right here. They gasped in New York when that line was spoken. 
the audience gasped. Speak it again. I need to hear that again. It is the time's plague when madmen lead the blind. Mm-hmm. Is there, I mean... Forgive and forget is from King Lear. Huh. Huh. <laughs> on the other hand. On the other hand, <laughs> no. Do, do, so, do, I mean, do you think Lear is particularly re- resonant yes. to our ears and, and, and hearts because yes. of where we are? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's particularly resonant in all times because it's about this deeply human thing there that is, is aging and what we hope for the generation that comes, that we hope that we have made a lasting impact, that we hope that they will pick it up where we left it off and make a better world, that we can't, how hard it is for us to face the declining of our sense of self and importance, you know, that we are a fly speck and that we must face that and deal with it eventually, (laughs) right? All those things are very timeless, aren't they? And yet also the play has an interesting resonance for this time because of hubris, the idea of hubris and um, blindness. Blindness is such a big metaphor in the play. Well, why didn't you have it at an optometrist's office then? (laughs) (laughs) We just got to go to that nearly impossible. (laughs) Well, my God. So at what point, so at what point do the actors actually go out to this space to do it? Are they there yet? Oh, yes. We're always there from the beginning. Um, Yeah, but we have a wonderful alternative rehearsal space that we're in for um, some parts of our rehearsal up in Swissvale. Thank you, Marty Davis Company, (laughs) for providing that. Marty Davis, a good guy. Yeah, Uh, But, yeah, we've been at work um, for a long time there, uh, working with beautiful rivers of steel so that their life can go on, even as we, you know, do our thing, build what we will build so that the audience sits and sees and hears exactly what we want them to. I was thinking, actually, when we were talking about permanence, I mean, like just seeing Notre Dame, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, the sense we have, well, that'll be, it's been there for um, 900 years, it'll be there for, no. Right. But somehow words, plays do survive. I mean, we're still staging plays that were written by the Greeks, for God's sakes. I had, I had a beautiful experience at in 2000. So the dawn of the new millennium, the, there's a seminar, Salzburg seminar, that was a part of post-war, it was like a post-war think tank, and they would gather people on different subjects in Salzburg, and they chose at the dawn of the millennium to um, get, for it to be an artistic subject. The subject was Shakespeare. There were 40 people from 30 countries all talking about Shakespeare, right? And so there were King Lear artists from South Africa and from China and from, you know, Richard Eyre was there from um, England. And I think Ian Holm was there at a certain point who had recently played King Lear. I mean, it was amazing, but we were talking about King Lear in all these languages. You know, think about... You know, Hollywood today, they, so few of their films by major studios have 
marvelous dialogue anymore because they want a global audience, so it's all action, you know? And here you are saying, eh, no, right. look. It's been translated into every language, tra- however hard that would be. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Because the ideas are so... They're, it's human. Yeah. Humanity is the same everywhere. Right. And it was the same a thousand years ago and a thousand years before that. We are no different. And right. when you... Yeah. you I, I so know. what do you say to people who are uptight about Shakespeare and they think, I don't understand anything. You'd be surprised if you've never tried uh, to see a Shakespeare play. I've had people come up and yeah. say, uh, for other Shakespeare's, we've done so good that you put it in regular English. And we had not. not had not. <laughs> no. It's just a ma- Believe me, the actors and the playwright and the directors and everybody will take you there. You exactly. don't have to worry. Yeah. You'll be astonished. How do people get tickets to this thing? They uh, go to quantumtheater.com on the web or okay. they call our phone number 412-362-1713. Okay. And uh, again, they can get tickets already? Yes, they certainly can. And you do special things at, at productions, don't you? I mean, you have certain... Um, we do we have um, so somebody we, might want well first of all there are tours ahead of time you can book a tour you can come an hour early and book a tour of the Carrie Furness before the production and the who the Rivers of Steel people, people are doing that yeah wow, well, doesn't that sound neat. fun yeah it does and there are nights when um, there's a reception for young professionals it's this is all on the website because I won't be able to say the dates uh, we offer a community night to residents of those those communities, Swissville, Rankin, Braddock, Homestead, that is May 9th. Um, there is a wonderful night where there is a wine tasting led by the fabulous wine gentleman, Jack Bryce, <laughs> before the show. The wine gentleman. I'm a wine lady. <laughs> there you there go. You <laughs> might want to choose that. Probably not in the same way he is. Um, there are talks, also talks, some, several interesting talks. At, which would be after the performance? I or think before? we're doing them before because we feel it might be, you know, more. It might feel better to do to have the talks before. Uh, there's one after for sure that's like about the show that you have seen. I think that's on the Sunday, the 11th or the 12th. So, are, how many productions does Quantum do in a? Do you have a season? We do. We've always had a season. Yeah. Um, it's been various numbers of shows, like four, but it's. Three. They're very mm. big and um, you know long in the making at this point. So I would three, imagine. Three Are you s- so? Is someone in at Quantum already working on the next production? That would be all of us. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. So yeah. So it. You are. We're working on works that will happen in 2022. You no, are. No question. Yeah. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> Wow, that's juggling a lot of balls that's all at the same time. That might be too, too much hubris <laughs> to think we'll be around, but we oh, will. Oh, I mean, of course <laughs> you'll be around. I mean, you're just a, you're a given. Oh, thanks. Quantum. What, did you ever worry about succession? Well, sure, yes. I mean, I worry about that in the institution that I love so much and, and you know, people have enabled, uh, and I'm so happy that I have fantastic young, energetic colleagues at all yeah. levels. God bless the young ones, huh? God bless them. 
and I also worry about it in terms of the climate, nurturing right. ambitious artistic ideas in general in Pittsburgh, and yet I'm very bullish on that, and I, I see a lot that makes me feel, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was happening. You know, I used to know everything that was happening, far <laughs> from it now. But you do feel that the town is still. Um, I do. What we need is for the new industries, the new people who are not artists but are here working in vibrant Pittsburgh to engage with the arts. Are That's you, what we need. Are you worried that they're not? They're just here working and then. Like, I d yes. I and worry. then sitting in front of their computers playing or something. I do. So they're worry. not going, you're not seeing these young. Well. I think we much. all are seeing them but want to see more of them. I know I'm speaking for everybody in saying that. We want to see bet. more of them. I bet. Hey, you young stuff. Of course, they're not listening to an old lady like me either. Well, yeah. you know, also, the world has changed. People have the most amazing stuff on their TV screen or yeah, on their so phone. Yeah, to get them up and out to go to live theater. Live experiences. Live experiences. You can't substitute anything no for it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. All you got to do is... Everybody go get one person who's sort of sedentary and drag them out. Right. They'll thank you for the rest of their lives. Yeah. King Lear, Quantum Theater, opening May 10th. Get your tickets now. It sounds unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thank you. I'll be there for sure. Thank you. Carla yeah. Booza, Pittsburgh treasure. Aw. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, it's what happens. You get <laughs> I know, she's younger than me, but God bless her. Yeah, keep up the great work. Hey, you guys, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.